This is Andy Gutierrez from StarWars.com, and you are listening to Coffee with Kenobi with Dan Z. This is the podcast you're looking for. This is Vanessa Marshall, Harrison Dula from Star Wars Rebels, and you're listening to Coffee with Kenobi. Hello, my friends, and welcome to Coffee with Kenobi, show number 546. This is your spoiler-free place for Star Wars community and conversation. I'm your host, Dan Zare, thrilled to be talking Star Wars with each and every one of you. You can support Coffee with Kenobi by following the show on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, and TikTok, and subscribing to the YouTube channel. Please help spread the word by tweeting that you're listening, share it on Facebook, or invite your friends and family to tune in and share a cup of coffee with us. Coffee with Kenobi is a proud member of the Spreaker Prime program. Thank you to the official travel partner of Coffee with Kenobi, MEI and Mouse Fan Travel. If you are interested in a no-cost, no-obligation quote for your next vacation, check out coffeewithkenobi.com slash mousefantravel and let them know Coffee with Kenobi and Dan Zare sent you. I also want to thank our incredible members of the CWK Alliance. Find out how you can join the Alliance for as little as $1 a month and get access to exclusive podcasts, videos, and much more at coffeewithkenobi.com slash CWK Alliance. On today's show, Albert Padilla and Jay Krebs join me to talk about the women of Obi-Wan Kenobi, the Disney Plus series that has set the internet ablaze. There are so many great characters to talk about, so pull up a chair, grab your favorite coffee mug, and let's have some coffee with Kenobi. So who talks first? You talk first? I talk first. Joining us today for a cup of coffee to talk about the women of the cast of Obi-Wan Kenobi are two guests. One is a returning guest and one is a brand new guest. First, let's bring in returning guest from podcast artist, Jay Krebs. Hello. How are we doing tonight, guys? It's so glad. I'm so glad to be here once again. It is great to have you for sure, Jay. Uh, we, of course, love you and Dennis on podcast Stardust and are excited Aww. to have your input on this one. Now, our other guest for today's show, he is no stranger to Star Wars podcasting. He is from the Cantina cast, Mr. Albert Padilla. Albert, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Dan. Appreciate it. Glad to be here. Uh, looking forward to talking about the women of Kenobi, specifically Satine. Or that, that's what we're talking about, right? Or, no, I'm kidding. I think, I'm kidding. I think, I think not. <laughs> yeah. She's got to be in there somewhere in the She's back of, in there of someone's mind. Well, <laughs> yeah, she wasn't even mentioned on the show. Maybe she was in like yeah. a locket that he was wearing or something. Like that. That's how rumors get started, guys. Yep. That's mm-hmm. how rumors get started. All right. So uh, there. I think uh, overall we're going to talk about probably four of the, the female cast of Obi-Wan Kenobi. There may be a few honorable mentions that we throw in there. But Jay, just sort of overall, what what did you think about the series Obi Wan Kenobi? Oh, it was the gift that just kept on giving. You know, it was one of those things that, honestly, going into it, I was a little ambivalent about how I would feel with the way that it approached certain themes and certain relationships, and how it would affect my viewing of A New Hope. And in the end, it's just, gosh. Something that I, I never thought I always needed, and I did. And it was just, yes, such a gift. So enjoyed enjoyed it a lot. Oh, I'm, well, I'm, you know what? I'm not surprised. Uh, Albert, what about you? Uh, I would echo everything Jay said. I mean, 
you know, I'm one of those people that really, really loves Star Wars. I won't say that I love love Star Wars because there's certain things that I feel like this series, you know, probably could have done differently or just didn't sit well with me. Uh, but I really, really love Star Wars. And it was hard not to watch a series and just have a smile on your face beginning to end so much more in depth than I thought we were going to get. Right. I'm thinking we're going to get five episodes of Kenobi fighting Vader. Right. And at the end of the day, we got such a deep enriching story. And specifically, to bring it back to the topic tonight, some really powerful, strong women and seeing that origin of Princess Leia Organa as the rebel, as the leader, and a number of other things that we'll get into a little bit. So overall, I walked away just as happy as can be and glad that we finally got to see this. I I love that. I, I love the series as well. I liked it. I don't know if I liked it more than I expected. I, I, I had really high hopes for this one. And mm -hmm. I, I try to sort of avoid that to try to curb my enthusiasm. Thank you, Larry David. <laughs> but I I loved it. And I think one of the things I loved about it was it did enrich the, the saga, as we talked about last week on Coffee with Kenobi, and then both of you have talked about it on your shows as well. But it made me love and appreciate Obi-Wan Kenobi even more as a character. I was always I always liked him, but because of Ewan McGregor's performance, I thought it raised the stakes for me as far as my love for the character. It also made me really feel like Darth Vader is even more nasty than we've ever seen. And that kind of changes my perspective on him, but I'm grateful for that. I'm also mm -hmm. grateful for the amazing women of this series. And I feel like we could make a strong case as uh, a nice conversation about Moses Ingram, who plays Riva naturally about Tala played by Indira Varma about, of course, Princess Leia, young Princess Leia played by Vivian Lyra Blair. And then I thought it would be nice to throw in Aunt Peru herself, Bonnie Peace. P-I-E-S-S-E. -S -S -E. I believe that's how you pronounce it. Why don't we just start? I think I'd like to save Riva for the end because I feel like she's she's got something really cool that I want to talk about. But let's just talk about our princess, Princess Leia Organa. Mm -hmm. Vivian Lyra Blair, talk about big shoes to fill because Carrie Fisher, of course, was so iconic and is so iconic and so beloved. And I'm sure... You know, it's it's been said that there was certainly talk or speculation about will another actor play Princess Leia in Star Wars Episode Nine, The Rise of Skywalker. Ultimately, they decided not to do that. I really like how Leia was in this because they used digital Carrie Fisher, and it was approved by Carrie Fisher's family, and it worked out beautifully. That being said, how could you possibly recast Leia? Well, what if she was a child? Mm -hmm. What if she was 10 years old? Jay, talk about Leia in this series. You can talk about the acting, but just the character in general and what worked for you and maybe what didn't. Well, as you know, Dan, I've had a very longstanding relationship with Leia. She was my first role model growing up. When I saw this movie way back when I was seven years old in 1977, and I basically modeled a lot of my self-esteem and just growing up after Leia, you know, and, and that bravery and that beautiful mix of poise and leadership and everything else. And honestly, you know, with Obi-Wan Kenobi series, I didn't realize that we were getting so much of Leia. And I don't think any of us did. And I think that if, if I would have known that going in, that I may have had a little bit of a different feeling on the outset, you know, as you said, oh, you know, how can someone possibly fill those shoes and, and realizing that, yes, it's a different era, it's a different time, but 
I tell you what, I have to really tip my hats to the writers and to that adorable little actress, Vivian Lara Blair, for bringing her to life because this truly is, for me anyways, the embodiment of what Leia would have been at that age. And had I been that age watching this as well, that uh, it, it just would have been an out-of-body experience almost. So I just, I really do appreciate what they did. I think that her her whole appearance and everything that she represented was just completely spot on for me. Albert, what about you? Well, this one, this one, uh, I mean, my goodness, I, I've got, as a father who has an eight-year-old daughter, there was so much oh. of Leia that uh, her characteristics, whether it was the snarkiness, the sneakiness, the, the sassiness, the outspokenness, mm -hmm. the determination, and at the same time, being able to display levels of compassion that you would only expect from someone who's much more mature, having gone through a lot of life experiences, right? We got to see all of that. And I look over at, you know, my daughter is watching this and she's just completely enveloped, just like Jay was talking about, right? This is given her new context. It's recontextualized her love for Leia because right up until the series, she loved Leia because dad loved Leia. But this mm -hmm. was her first opportunity to see this young budding child, young girl that she could relate to who, who was all the same characteristics of her. So from that perspective, I just really love the fact that they gave us, again, this kind of origin story. And there's actually, and hopefully we can get into this, but if you really pull back the layers, there's actually kind of a, a character arc that she goes through, right? She starts off as this, you know, a, a reluctant character due to who doesn't want to be a senator. She doesn't know who she is. She doesn't, she doesn't believe that she's Organa. She's got people telling her that she's not an Organa. And she's very quick to trust people. And by the very end of this, we finally see her accepting who she is to the point where she no longer even really needs or feels like she needs to know more about her real mother and father, right? She tells Kenobi, nope, I'm fine. I'm good. And not only that, but now we see that she now has a new purpose, right? The inspiration that came from Tala, her connections with Kenobi, all of that in, in, in really accepting who she is and even saying, I'm going to go ahead and become a senator, right? I'm going to do it my way, which is very Leia of her. Mm -hmm. But accepting that she is going to, that is her destiny and that she can do some good uh, in that role and maybe having that little hint of, you know, doubt and not always trusting people and not so quick to, you know, to kind of make yourself vulnerable in that way. All of those characteristics, I think, play into making her one of the most incredible leaders that the rebellion will have in years to come. Here, here. Well said. Yeah, I yeah very well said. I, I remember... Of course, we all watched this. I, I was, I know, I'm pretty sure we all watched this at Celebration, right? Because that's when it came out. They dropped mm -hmm. the first two episodes together. I vividly remember watching this first episode for the first time. And they do that cut scene. And at first, I thought, wait, are we on Coruscant? Um, <laughs> no, she's too happy. I went, whoa, mm -hmm. this is Alderaan. Whoa, look at that. Oh my gosh, we're going to see Leia. Yeah. I have goosebumps now because that was so spectacular. I wasn't expecting that at all. I had a good fortune to interview the cast and Deborah Chow before the series aired and they were all perfect Sabacc players. They didn't reveal anything <laughs> at all. Of course. Yeah, yeah. And when I realized Leia is going to be in this and she's going to be prominent, I was thrilled. I realized there's a risk when you're going to portray a legacy character and have a different actor play them. But this was the 100% the way to go. Vivian Lyra Blair was, was transcendent. Look, She's doing things at the age of nine and 10. I'm not sure how, how old she was when she actually filmed this. If she was nine or 10 when she filmed it, I'm really not sure. Maybe she was even eight. I'm, I'm completely unclear on that. What mm -hmm. I know is that she was magnificent. Yeah. 
Acting sure. is hard. It's hard. Yes. You know, people don't understand how difficult it actually is. Not only did she nail the spirit and the soul of Leia, but she made it believable of where she is and where she was going to go. Uh, as you both said, all of the traits were already there. You know, she's stubborn. She's resolute. She's focused. She's determined. And she's she's almost fearless in all very believable childlike ways. And it was her, I feel like, as a perfect foil to Obi-Wan Kenobi, she brings out the best in him. Yeah. And I feel like he helps to bring out the best in her. Although she's already got that pretty well ingrained, she was amazing. She was amazing. And I and I really, I, I can't wait to talk to Claudia Gray again. As, as I know, Albert, you had her on the stage with you for the, for the Star Wars Celebration podcast stage. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to see what she thinks about this performance because it was pretty spectacular. So while we're talking about Leia, let's talk about her relationship with her mother. Jay, I'm going to throw this one to you. Well, I think with Leia and Brea, I didn't realize that that rhymed, um, (laughs) you know, (laughs) Brea has always been very honest with her. She and and Bale both that she was always knew she was adopted, but that she was always loved with all of their heart. And for, you know, anyone that that may not know that backstory of why they had to adopt in the first place was because Brea had basically lost her heart and lungs climbing a Penza Peak there on Alderaan. And so this was their only chance at having a daughter. And so, of course, at first, you know, when we see Leia kind of pulling the wool over her eyes and she's a little bit annoyed at the fact that they've got these these cousins coming, this family's coming, and what is she doing? But yet she does it in such a gentle way. And she and, and Bale both do with Leia, I feel. And, you know, there's there's times where I'm sure that they could have gotten extremely annoyed with what she was doing. But they they realized that, again, you know, as you said, Dan, that she is an extraordinary child. And she is, in a lot of ways, a prodigy because she is so mature for her age. And so there's certain liberties that they probably do have to take with her a little bit. And not just because she's adopted, you know what I mean? That not saying, that, oh, we're gonna, we're gonna treat her extra special because she's adopted and we don't want her to feel bad. It's because they realize and they, they want to nurture that those special qualities and, and that, that chance for her to go even further. And, and I just thought it was so adorable when Leia hugged her in that very first episode. And she's like, you know, I can feel you doing that when <laughs> Leia was trying to get Lola back. And so, and, and then at the end when she's like, is that a holster? I love it. You know? And so she really was so incredibly supportive. And I think she was a, a pivotal part in creating the personality and, and the woman that Leia eventually did become. There's so much symbolism. I know I talked about this a lot last week. There's so much symbolism with that empty holster, but still having the holster. Oh, yeah. Albert, uh, how did you, I guess we could even, we'll certainly can talk about Bale too, Jay. So we'll, we'll certainly give you a chance to talk more about that if you'd like to. But Albert, I feel like the connection she has with her, with her mother, I think is a, a really, really nice touch. And we never really get to see Brea in live action. When you see her, like, you see a picture of her holding a, a baby at the end mm-hmm. of Revenge of the Sith, but that's not really much of anything. Here we get a little bit more of the picture. I think it really fills it in well. Yeah, I would, and I agree with with Jay. Just that enablement and and the the uh, the consciousness to, to acknowledge that they have a special child on their hands, right? But for all the force reasons, which we don't need to get into. On top of that, just her innate ability. I mean, she's she's operating at a very intellectual level. She's extremely smart. 
and so and, and being able to kind of give them that space to be creative and kind of grow into their own is super important and it's it's such a huge parenting skill that i struggle with to be quite frank right i mean you got to be bigger than that to, to do that so to, for something like that is, is remarkable and it goes back to you also that line you know when they're walking in the hallway her and bail and brea says you know she's or he says you know she uh, what she's like. And he, she says, I know who she's like. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> and so taking on those characteristics of both of them, but the, the, the relationship with her and her father, that's where I could really relate with, because I know my daughter to be very sneaky. I know she can get whatever she wants from me. I mean, she's, com- I'm completely wrapped around her finger at the end of the day. Right. Uh, but at the same time, we have a very kind of relationship that's very different than mom's relationship. And I could see similarities in that regard. I thought this was really evident when they're in the market and Kenobi's buying her that green cape. And she, he's like, you know, she's got the gloves. And he's like, no, we're not getting the gloves. And she just kind of stares him down like, you're really going to say no to me buying gloves? And he's like, <laughs> all right, we'll take the gloves too, right? And I can't tell you how many times I've been in that position where I'm like, okay, I just give in because I, she's too cute or, you know, I just want to make her happy and I can see all the good in her <laughs> and that sort of thing. So. Uh, yeah, it's a very special relationship. I mean, she's just got such a great relationship with her parents. And that's such a wonderful thing to see in Star Wars because how many bad relationships are there, right? I don't know. We, I don't think we talk enough about the really good ones. And this is a really good example. And it was really wonderful to finally see that relationship that she has with them. It is, it is very genuine, right? Even if she is adopted, it, it, they don't treat her any differently than you would expect them to because she's uh, you know, not technically in Organa. She is. And that's what he he, he says at, at, in, the, in the episode. And I, he truly means that. Mm-hmm. I've heard from so many people about how much they've appreciated this series and how it emphasizes whether you're adopted or not, your family. It doesn't matter. Yeah. And it's just, it's been a long time since we've really had that kind of a message. We never really had it fully in Star Wars. This really brings it to life. I mean, she just happens to have four parents. Two of them she knows. Two of them died or turned to the dark side but <laughs> yeah. when she was a baby. So she didn't have that luxury. She didn't have that option. I really applaud Star Wars and the film creators this for doing that because it's been it's been really great to see. And what I like, and you start you touch on this, Albert. I like that they treat her like a child and a princess, but not but that's kind of where it ends, right? Her, her lineage um, and her, her birth parents certainly make it seem like, okay, she's a Skywalker. That's why we got to keep her secret because she's not safe. And that's true. But they also train her to be a, or, and raise her to be just a child, a child who's special because she's special because she's a child, because she's their child, because mm-hmm. they love her. And she's got certain responsibilities that she will grow into because she's royalty. And that is understood and expected and reasonable, but there's not pressure because they still let her be a kid. And that's evident because of the way that they do let her get away with some things that, that we, that we talked about because they still let her be a child. And I feel like that's kind of why she's able to grow and change and learn how to resist and do it the right way with tact, with personality, with grace. And as she gets older with patience and that's, amazing she's she's just really well-rounded and her relationship with her parents i think is pretty special so let let's we can come back to lay if you want to but I, I would like to move on to i think perhaps the um the breakout star of the series to me that would be tala 
Kaladurith, who is one of the characters that we meet. I believe it's the third episode, right? Yeah. Third episode. Yeah. I think that's correct. That's uh, played the, uh, by Imperial. Yes, played by Indira Varma. She is an extraordinary character that we meet that helps Obi-Wan and Leia on the path, literally and figuratively. Jay, talk, talk, about, talk about this character and what she means to you. Well, what I really appreciate about Tala is that she was able to change paths. And we see this so much in Star Wars recently, I think, that we appreciate that there wasn't just all bad guys and just all good guys and, and that everyone just sort of fell into these neat little lines as one or the other. And we've seen this in Rebels and, you know, it's with people like Agent Callus who, who crossed that line. And then we're also seeing that in resistance, you know, and, and signing up for something that they thought was a worthwhile cause and where they thought they could do some good. And then realizing that, oh gosh, this is not the way that I want to live. This is not the path that I want to follow. And so Tala recognized that and she felt like she could do a whole lot more good on the other side. And then being a spy was just absolutely perfect. And, you know, I felt for her. I mean, there were so many nail biting times where I thought, oh my gosh, you know, she's, she's going to get caught. This is going to be bad. What is she doing? Um, but she really was selfless in that way that she felt like she needed to give back. And oh gosh, I just, I love her character because she was selfless in a lot of ways and she was just willing to just do whatever she she needed to do to help. Howard, what about you? Well, I uh, to tack on to what she said there at the very end, what Jay was talking about at the very end about being selfless. If you think about it, to me, Tala came across as kind of like the prototype. Uh, in a lot of ways, I think she influenced Leia. You know, everything from the, her look at the very end, right? Uh, mm -hmm. She was kind of mimicking, monitor, mirroring Tala's look. Uh, everything from about that to her traits, being selfless, helping people that could not help themselves, willing to lay down her life for others, uh, you know, knowing that the need of the many outweigh the needs of the few. Uh, and then and really almost to some extent that that we have time to sorrow later. Right. How many times did Leia have to push her feelings off to the side because, you know, there was a greater mission uh, in front of her and that mission always came first. And, I, and those are qualities that I could see in Tala. And I feel like Leia was was defined by some of those things, right? Being in the midst of what was happening and having been influenced by somebody like that to the very point where she finally gets a holster with markings on it, right? Nonetheless, of all these children that she saved as a reminder of that sacrifice, that ultimate sacrifice that Tala made, I thought was beautiful. And the fact that she still is running around with that holster, I have in my head canon that at some point when Leia first gets her very first blaster, she names it Lola because she, you know, she puts Lola in the holster and now she gets her first blaster. She names it Lola so that she can actually pull out Lola, right? That's, that's me making stuff up. But I would like to think that that's the case. But that influence is there for her. And going back to, so away from Leia, just quickly with Kenobi, I mean, she gave Kenobi the advice that he really needed to hear. She said some things you can't forget, but you can fight to make them better. And you think about where he was at that point when he was meeting, meeting up with Tala. He was pretty down in the dumps. He was already down in the dumps as it were, right? But the fact that they, you know, nobody was coming for them. He was getting frustrated. This wasn't going the way it was supposed to. She was kind of that, that conscious voice that said, look, you've got to pick yourself up and use that to your ability. Use that to the benefit 
of everyone else and not be drowning in your sorrows and that sort of thing. And this was echoed later on with Riva as well, right? That, you know, she couldn't forget those things, uh, but she could make them better. And they both had choices to do that. But Tala was kind of representative of that voice, that conscious voice of we've got to be able to do better. We can make a difference, you know, one person at a time. I'm glad you brought up her relationship with Obi-Wan. That to me is a, is a center point, a centerpiece of this entire series. She has great impact on him. Her sage advice, her calm. Uh, she's also resolute and determined, mm-hmm. but not foolhardy. She She's brave and you could say reckless, but can you be reckless if you're in the Inquisitoris and you're trying to rescue Leia from that? I mean, you, you've got to take those chances and she does it without complaint. Uh, and and when, even though she has fear, she keeps it inside and it doesn't dictate her life, but it's not her compass. Mm-hmm. I love that. Her, her bravery, her example clearly is impactful to Leia. And I like what you said, Albert, maybe we should have her. That should be the, th- that should be the new head cannon for all of us <laughs> naming that blaster. <laughs> it's, it's really impactful and important that, She's only around for really three episodes. That's it. Uh, but when she's there, wait, does she dies in the fifth one, right? Yeah, she yeah, dies. Yeah, yeah, she does. Um, I expected that. I feel like less is more. And I, I hope we get like a lot of backstory and tell how she ended up in this place. We know she had to make sacrifices. We know she experienced loss. You can't be in this world, this era of Star Wars without experiencing that in some way shape or form so hopefully we will get some of that whether it's a book or a comic or maybe she'll get her own disney plus series that would be wonderful that'll be wonderful what i know is that for a very short amount of time when she was in this story she left a big mark not only on obi-wan and leia but on us as fans because of the way she conducted herself because of her goals and just she's just insanely cool too. I mean, let's not oh, read. Yeah. She's insanely cool. <laughs> Jay, she'd be a cool character to cosplay as. Oh, for sure, for sure. And you know, I often wonder too. And maybe you guys know the answer to this. How did she end up with Ned? And what do you know? Not to change the the subject or you know go mm-hmm. off on a tangent here, but is there a a backstory on that whole relationship with Ned and how they ended up there at the path? If there is, we haven't heard it yet. Okay. Uh, not officially that I'm aware of. Because that's right. very, very similar to a Cassie and K2 kind of a relationship. Certainly. Certainly. Oh, yeah. I, I shipped them the minute I saw them. I mean, it was over. I was like, this is happening. <laughs> so and so getting that last scene where they, you know, they, they came to each other and, and kind of died together was just beautiful and poetic and sad and tragic at the same time. Haunting. Yeah, awesome, it really Robert. was. Mm-hmm. It really was. I was disappointed that when they did the retro versions of these figures, they didn't make one of Tala. I hope that they do at some point because she's great. And I think a lot of fans really, really like her too. So why don't we take a quick break? We return. We're going to talk more about the cast, not the cast. Well, I guess you're the cast, but the the women of the Obi-Wan Kenobi series on Disney+. Plus. I'm Dan Zare, and this is Coffee with Kenobi. This is Vanessa Marshall, and you're listening to Coffee with Kenobi. We are back talking about the women of Obi-Wan Kenobi. We've talked about Leia and a little bit about her mother, Brea. And we've also talked about Tella. So now let's switch it up and let's spend some time talking about Reva. 
Reva exploded onto the scene, we knew about her pretty right on right away because when we started getting images from Entertainment Weekly, we knew there was going to be a new Inquisitor. And it's Moses Ingram's character of Reva. Tell me what you think about Reva, Jay. I mean, obviously she goes through Horn Arc. She grows. She changes. She is. She is what? What do you What do you think of her? Uh, I think the first the first word that comes to mind is captivating, and the reason I say that is because on the surface she is the one that you love to hate, and you're rooting for her downfall. You're rooting for her to be overcome, and but you know that there's something brewing underneath the surface that you're not quite sure exactly what's going on. And I think we all kind of hypothesized in that very first episode that she may have been one of those Padawans that we saw during Order 66. And it wasn't until later when we realized that that's who she was and that's what she was fighting to get back at was Vader and that whole idea of revenge and trying to put some sort of a cap on it. And she was she thought she was doing it for the sake of the rest of the younglings that had perished. And as Obi-Wan helped her to realize that what she ended up doing actually brought them peace instead. And I, I have to say it wasn't until my son started playing Jedi Fallen Order and I watched all of the cutscenes, which I am totally in love with that story. Let me just say <laughs> as an aside, I think I've watched that on YouTube like four or five times yeah. that I understood what it meant to be an inquisitor. Because when they were first introduced to us in Rebels, we didn't really understand the backstory. We just knew that they were the baddies and they were kind of taking the place of, you know, the the hand or the assassin for the emperor and working with Vader. But we didn't understand their origins completely. And I empathize with her so much in, in her loss and in her, her anguish. And I just think Moses Ingram did an amazing job of just encompassing that full range of emotions throughout this entire series. And I just, I loved her as a character arc. Um, and, you know, I'm really hoping that we we do actually get to see more of her. And I do, I do have a question. Did she get actually impaled by Anakin slash Vader in the temple the first time? And was she modified to be able to survive that? Uh, I, no, I don't think she gets hit. I think, she, I thought she just feigned unconsciousness. Or because she well, was scared. I think, I think she was, and the way I read it was she was she was impaled. Uh, we've kind of been theorizing on the Cantina cast that really this is another example of dark side people or people tapping into their emotions. How about that? Mm -hmm. And and the hate that she had for what was going on, and that was enough to kind of get her by temporarily. And I think we see that as an example again later on when when Vader stabs her. Right? She's driven by that hate, by that revenge, and that's enough to kind of keep her going one more time. Uh, but but yeah, I, th I think she was, uh, in my opinion, I think she was stabbed and uh, was able to survive. So what what about her character in general for you, Albert? Well, so I would, so here, I'm going to give you some of the traits. And uh, and I want you to, let's put Reva to the side for just one second, okay? Who, who, am, I, who am I describing here? Impulsive, reckless, brash, confident, aggressive, led by their emotions, unorthodox leads by way of intimidation or passion, fearless, forthright. When you hear those things, you, th you can't help but think of Anakin Skywalker. Mm -hmm. And we did an entire diet. We did a character spotlight that was almost two hours long on just Reva alone. And we were really right. tapping into a lot of the parallels that we see 
with her and Anakin Skywalker's journey. And to be honest, when this when she was introduced, I thought this was going to be a cautionary tale. She was not going to make it out of this series alive, right? And I, I was completely blown away. With, my expectations were blown away in that regard because I really want to see more of her character. But she le- lives this life of loss for so long, very similar to Anakin, all the way to the parallels of coming back from the desert and having a Skywalker in their hands, right? I mean, go on and on uh, about these different uh-huh. things. But but yeah, I mean, she's just a powerful character. And, and credit to Moses Ingram, one, for withstanding the feedback that she was getting that was unfair by, by any stretch of the imagination. But two, giving us that performance that she did in that last episode. I mean, I, I posted that she shut the critics up. I mean, you cannot objectively go into that and see her performance and how powerful she was in those very subtle, quiet, intimate moments at the very end when she's talking about, have I become him? Right. Mm-hmm. And in that, that real tender moment that she has with Kenobi, I mean, those are like, these guys were acting their butts off in that scene. And to me, that was kind of the defining moment for her where I just said, holy bananas, I really need more of Reva and I cannot believe that she lived and I can't wait to see what comes next for her. When I watched her blow up the screen in the first episode, I honestly never thought, oh, she is from the Jedi Temple. I never thought anything about where she was from or, or who she might be it. So it, it kind of surprised me. I, I try not to let myself think that way anyway, because you just never know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So I, I found her frustrating and dangerous, but fairly early on, first of all, I love the design of the lightsaber. It's too bad. The HasLab thing didn't get fully funded. Cause that was a really cool lightsaber. Oh yeah. Just for the record. But <laughs> It was pretty early on that I just the way that she acted sometimes when, when she obviously knew that Anakin Skywalker was Darth Vader like that. That was an interesting mystery to me. And I wasn't worried about how it fit or how it lined up because I knew the story hadn't been told yet. But I knew there was something more to her than just being a big bad with a cool lightsaber and a lot of force swagger. I knew there was more. And then it was in the in the episode, episode four, where or yeah, part four where she has Leia and she keeps interrogating her and Leia more than holds her own. That's just a great scene in itself, which I guess we could have talked about a little bit more earlier in the show, but she seems so reluctant to hurt Leia Mm -hmm. to try to extract any information from her by force. And she was, she kept delaying it. And I remember thinking she doesn't want to hurt her. There's, there's some hope here for this character. Reva is nasty and she, She's killed a lot, but she doesn't want to hurt Leia. There's got to be something to it, but I didn't really know what it was. It just gave me hope. Hope is an important fulcrum in Star Wars, as we know. Oh, yeah. And then as we start to see her story, first of all, her fight with Vader is unforgettable just because of the power of Vader and the frustration that must feel for her. I described it on a previous coffee with Kenobi as like the bully that holds your forehead while you're running towards him and you can't get him. Mm -hmm. That's kind of what it seemed like. Yeah. But... The fact that they left her alive, these two nasty, you know, the Grand Inquisitor and Vader, but they leave her alive. They don't finish her off because they don't think she's a threat and they taunt her and just leave her alone to die. The fact that she comes back from that and everything that happens in part six and her wonderful conversation with Obi-Wan Kenobi, which was so meaningful and moving, show the power of redemption, which is, again, another very important trope in Star Wars and Star Wars and storytelling. That makes her stand out. Yep. Not just that she goes from bad to good, but how she does and why she does. 
the fact that she is given very much absolution, yes, from Obi-Wan, but really more from herself. She saves Luke. At first she's mad, but she can't bring herself to do it. Even in the fact that she's afraid that she's going to be like Vader, and in fact she's less like Vader than ever because of saving a child, it's just great. I, before part six, I was at peace with not seeing Reva again just because I like seeing new characters. And I didn't have anything against Reva. I really liked her. And I really liked Moses Ingram. I felt very fortunate that I got to interview her on the show. And I just knew that she had that something. So when I see how she kind of brings things together and figures it out and starts to create a new path for herself, and the fact that Tatooine is full of buried lightsabers all over the place throughout <laughs> the history of Star Wars is pretty so great. True. Yeah. So, so that to detector. me, <laughs> right? No matter what era of Star Wars you're in. So that that makes me want to see more of her because because those sort of doubts and those fears and that trepidation, that doesn't go away. It's always there, but it's how you handle it and how you continue to take steps and move forward daily, weekly, like monthly, the, yearly for the rest of your life. And I can't wait to see, hopefully see what that means. I thought she was a great standout and I, I, I loved her. I, it, her story kind of speaks to thematically the, the idea of free agency that we see in Star Wars throughout all of it, really, starting with Luke Skywalker, right, going down, choosing a different path and not going down the path of his father. We see that more recently with, like, uh, Dathan in Shadow of the Sith coming from as a Palpatine, sure. deciding mm -hmm. to abandon that and go about his own way, raising a beautiful family again there. Uh, you know, it's just on and on uh, of Ray Skywalker, right? You, who you get to choose and that's exactly what kenobi says at, that, at the end of the episode is you have a whole life ahead of you who you were no longer matters you can choose to become someone completely different and that rebirth is so powerful for somebody like reva given she's i mean she was driven by such like revenge and led by the by anger and hate and we you know that leads to suffering and that's really where she was she led a life of suffering and she was now absolved of that that was all free and for her, clouded by the dark side, I mean, she's got a million things that she can do right now. I really hope that, not to speculate, but I would love to see her get more involved with the path and being able to, you know, save lives like Tala was, put notches in her own kind of pouch later down the road. But that's, I kind of see that happening there. Or maybe she pairs up with somebody like Quinlan Voss. And, you know, she's a very powerful character in that she knows the inner workings of the Inquisitorius as well. So who better to have on your side to kind of take that establishment down or at least put a, you know, be a side, a thorn in the side of them. So she's got a lot of potential here and a lot of different ways that she could go. I agree. I love that. I think that I never thought about the idea that she would be the ultimate sort of double agent. That wouldn't work now because Vader knows, but the, the fact that she would have that insight, yeah. she could certainly help the path that, you know what, that sounds like a pretty great pitch for a Disney plus series. Disney, That's if you're listening. Albert's got something. <laughs> Albert's got he something. sure does. And just ball. a springboard off of that, and I think those are all amazing, amazing observations, Albert, for sure, is that, you know, even though she does have the whole world as her oyster, so to speak, sometimes that can be really daunting and overwhelming for some people. And if you think about it, Reva has been pretty much institutionalized her entire life. Yep. She was yep. either part of the Jedi, she was a youngling, she was in a very exclusive kind of training situation. And then she was so self-guided in the way that she was so bent on revenge. And that was her one and only focus. And now to say, you can do whatever you want. You can be whoever you want. That's both a blessing and a curse for some people. 
Mm. So yeah, I would, I am so into the psychology of different characters. And I think that Riva is definitely one that if given the opportunity to watch her in the future would be a fascinating case study for sure. Yeah. Here, here. It certainly would. Well, let's talk with the remaining time. Let's talk about Baru. Now we only get to see Baru in one episode. In fact, I, after a while I thought, are we going to get to see Baru? Are we going to get to see her? And we do. And we do. Albert, just, we'll just, just change things up. Well, let's let you start. Why don't you kick it off for us? Tell us what you thought about Peru and what we learned about her through this series. Well, she's the ultimate doomsday prepper. And I had not, <laughs> I had not had her pegged as that person. And, and that was kind of the, the really, uh, you know, talking point for me is just the fact that she won, love Luke and, and her and Owen, right? Let's, let's just get that out of the way. That recontextualized that relationship. I always saw Owen as just the, the grumpy old, you know, hermit uh, guy, you know, dad that was always tough on his kid kind of thing. And we, re- we see a different side of him here, but we also see a different side of, of uh, Baru as well. And the fact that she's willing to fight, that that is, that is her son, that is her family. And yeah, they might not be able to make it out of here, but they're going to stand their guard. And it actually recontextualizes that scene. Like in my head canon, they lived. Like those bodies that we see burning there, those skeletal bodies in A New Hope, I'm sorry, they got out somehow because because Baru had an ultimate plan and she figured out how to get out of there, okay? But the fact that she was such a prepper, she was ready for that, she was willing to stand up for her family in the way that she did, never would have thought that. So for the, the you know, just a, a, a huge amount of mad respect now for the Lars family in general, but specifically for uh, Shotgun Baru there. <laughs> I love it. Jay, what do you think? Oh, Albert, you hit it on the head. I mean, Baru is one tough cookie. And, you know, when we we first meet her in A New Hope and she's just kind of working with her her little whatever that thing was that she was putting (laughs) food in and things. And, you know, she's just the, the kindly old aunt and yada, yada, yada. But no, you're right. She's the ultimate doomsday prepper. She's tough as nails. I mean, she just cold cocks Reva when she comes through the door. I mean, she just yeah, she wasn't having any of it. And, you know, all of that aside, just some of the the supplemental and supporting materials that we've gotten with uh, E.K. Johnston's book, especially Queen's Hope, when we see her in that book and that she's actually also very techie, very smart, very savvy in the way that she is trying to figure out how to to decommission these um, these bombs, essentially, that are in the slaves and trying to help to figure that out. And so she's just kind of the all around, you know kind of woman that that can do just about everything and she's very unsung and I'm so glad that we we got a chance to see her do some of the things that she did and and I do hope that she does get some some more love you know later on and in, in something else as well. I'm grateful that when we finally get her that while we get to see some some you know some tropes that that are you see in a, in a lot of things you know you've got the the doomsday prepper, as you mentioned, as you both mentioned, but it didn't feel like it was forced or inorganic. It felt like a natural progression of what we picture Baru to be. She, we know her to be loving and nurturing. We know her to be great, um, whipping up blue milk for Luke. We know that's pretty much all we knew, to be honest. So when we see this, we get to see the love, which is the most important thing. The fact that Owen and Baru both have this intense love. And so, by the way, am I the only person when I'm talking about Owen 
and brew it. I keep wanting to say Ben in May because of Spider-Man. It just keeps happening <laughs> in my brain. Anyway, similar. That, so I love that. I love that. And I like that she has all these blasters ready and she's not afraid. She's super calm. She's sort of the driving force behind this is no, this is what we're going to do. And I, I really liked it a lot. Again, I again, with all these characters, I hope we get more of them. We know we get a lot more of Leia. We get a ton of Leia throughout her history. But these other three characters, you know, we're, hopefully we're just getting seeing the start of something that will really shine for us because the glimpses we've had, the pieces we've had, I thought have been terrific. So is there anything you want to say about these four characters or any characters that we missed like other inquisitors, for example, Jay, anybody else that you want to talk about as, as we start to wrap up the show? Well, you know, for me, we were talking a little bit off air about the fourth sister and just the fact that uh, she didn't really actually have much screen time. I was watching earlier today on YouTube, all of the compiled scenes, and she actually had just a little over two minutes worth of screen time. And some people say she's kind of a throwaway character or whatever, but she's got a lot of history. I know in legends with her look and the fact that she was eventually overcome by rebels and they stole her her uniform and then went undercover with it and that type of thing. So I'm actually really intrigued by her. Her look is completely different in Kenobi than it is mm -hmm. if, if you look it up in Wikipedia. So um, Wikipedia, of course. And but um, but I'm I'm actually taking on the the challenge of cosplaying her. So I'm hoping that as I, I uncover that, that I'll be able to learn a little bit more and just all of the Inquisitors in general, you know, like I said, because of the fact that we know that they were former Jedi, most likely, and that they were probably younglings. And so they all have a backstory. So I feel like there's no throwaway characters. And I would just, I would love to see her explored a little bit more, even in comics or something. Very cool. Uh, Albert, any, anything you want to mention that we haven't talked about? I got two honorable mentions. And the first one's okay. a shameless shout out to Christina Ariel, who played the, I think she's listed as the partisan fighter, although I didn't really consider them to be partisans. Yeah. But she had that quick cameo where she just kind of walked on screen mm -hmm. there in the background. So <laughs> shout out to her. That was awesome. And uh, but but Minas Velti, who is the Jedi master that Reva is training under at the very beginning. I definitely would love to see that if if we get a series where she is, you know, or a series book, whatever it is. And they're telling the story of her, you know, turning to the light and trying to do good. If you think about where she was and what Minas actually did for her, I mean, she sacrificed her life for those younglings. And when I see Reva talk about how he killed us and she's got all this rage and revenge, that's really kind of focused on Anakin Skywalker and probably for some of the other Jedi that just left, right? Out of fear, uh, being overwhelmed. And she saw that as, as a negative thing, right? She says that to Owen about family and that you don't abandon your family, you're protecting your family. But for somebody like Minas, I can see her going back and maybe reflecting on some of the, that relationship. And in my head canon, again, I feel like they had a very close relationship and she does acknowledge that Minas did lay down her life for her. And so I would like to see that as an inspiration for, even though she's on screen for all of about, what, two minutes at most uh, during that scene. But yeah, a very selfless act. I mean, she was the, uh, you know, the pinnacle Jedi in that way in, in laying down her life in the way she did. And I hope that sticks with Reva in uh, future storytelling with her. The nice thing about this series is that it emphasizes the things that I think George put into Star Wars initially hope redemption courage uh, under great arduous circumstances friendship teamwork 
and belief, belief that things will get better, belief in the force, belief in kindness. It's great. That, yeah, that's another nice thing, too. There's no myth of redemptive violence here. Reva doesn't get killed. She mm -hmm. gets redeemed, and mm -hmm. she lives to fight another day. Obi-Wan is not to kill her or to chase her down. Even Darth Vader at the end, it's not really related to this topic uh, of the show at all. Even he doesn't get a chance to do that. Now, his isn't because of compassion or a change. That doesn't come till much, much later in his career. But this show is really groundbreaking in a lot of ways, and I'm really grateful for it. I'm also very grateful for Jay and Albert for having you both on Coffee with Kenobi. Jay, please let everybody know where they can find you and your podcast. Oh, absolutely. And guys, this has been so much fun. Dan, Albert, I'm always so happy to talk anything Star Wars. And of course, the women of Star Wars are very near and dear to my heart. So you can definitely catch myself and Dennis Keithley on Podcast Stardust. We do drop three episodes a week. And so we do news reviews, discussion, basically of everything that's out there. And you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Podcast Stardust. Excellent. And please let everybody know where they can find your awesome cosplay stuff too. Oh my gosh. Thank you for that. Uh, yes, I am at j.stipscosplay on Instagram and you can catch me over there as Ahsoka and Hera mainly and anything else that's, uh, you know, kind of up my alley at that point in time. And like I said, I'm working on that fourth sister build and I'll be posting some work in progress really, really soon. Awesome. Albert, thank you, by the way, for being on Coffee with Kenobi. I would love to have you back on the show anytime, my friend. Please let everybody know where they can find you and the Cantina cast. Thanks, Dan. Appreciate it. I really enjoyed being here. Thank you so much, Jay, too. It was great to finally kind of talk to you. So uh, you can find me at Albert M. Padilla on Twitter. And uh, shameless plug, if you go to my profile, I have a little video that I made. It's a tribute to Leia from the Kenobi series with some uh, some dialogue spliced in and that sort of thing. So I won't spoil it, but go take a look at it. It's very sweet, uh, very moving in my opinion. But uh, you can find me at Albert M. Padilla and you can find the Cantina cast at the Cantina cast on pretty much every social media. We record two episodes every week. Uh, one's a Patreon show. The other is kind of a general release. But if you join the YouTube, you can view those live. Uh, anybody's open to come in. And we have a really good time interacting with all of our viewers and asking, answering questions on the fly and stuff. It's, it's a really engaging kind of show so please stop by we'd love to see you listening to coffee with kenobi you are with dan z the podcast you're looking for this is <laughs> that's going to do it for this week's show of coffee with kenobi i want to thank albert and jay for joining me to talk about the women of obi-wan kenobi a great conversation and i look forward to your thoughts Please let us know what you think in our Facebook group, the CWK Cafe. I also want to thank the official travel partner of Coffee with Kenobi, MEI and Mouse Fan Travel. When you're planning your next vacation, if you want to go to the Galactic Star Cruiser, Galaxy's Edge, any of the theme parks, any of the cruise lines, Star Celebration, or anywhere else that you want to go for vacation, they literally just helped us for London and for Paris, and we had the best time because of MEI and Mouse Fan Travel. They gave us a no-cost, no-obligation quote, and they can do the same for you at coffeewithkenobi.com slash mousefantravel. Every Monday night at 7 o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time is CWK Live on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash coffeewithkenobi. We are currently in the middle of re-watching Season 1 of Star Wars Rebels as we get through the series. Next week on Monday, we're going to talk about Call to Action. So be sure to re-watch the show with us or watch it for the first time and get your top five ready and your thoughts will be read 
on the show live, which is a really, really cool thing. We're really glad that we can do that in our Coffee with Kenobi community. Again, the Facebook group is the CWK Cafe. Star thoughts, comments, reviews, and opinions in a family-friendly, spoiler, and drama-free place. Coffee with Kenobi is possible because of the members of the CWK Alliance. Thanks to you, the podcast, Facebook Live, event coverage, and so much more can come to life. Find out how you can help the show for as little as $1 a month by joining the CWK Alliance, and you'll receive access to CWK Pourover, an exclusive weekly audio and video podcast not heard anywhere else. CoffeeWithCombie.com slash CWK Alliance is where you can go to join the CWK Alliance. And 10% of your monthly contributions go directly to the St. Jude Children's Hospital. CoffeeWithCombie.com is the website for Star Wars news, announcements, reviews, videos, and so much more. You can email me at danz at coffeewithkenobi.com. Connect with me on Twitter at Mr. Zare, M-R-Z-E-H-R, or on my personal Instagram, CWK, and of course on LinkedIn. Coffee with Kenobi is all over social media, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, TikTok. Give the show a like on Facebook at facebook.com slash coffeewithkenobi, or subscribe to Coffee with Kenobi's YouTube channel. Please take a couple of minutes to rate and review the show on iTunes, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. Every one of those makes a big difference and helps to raise awareness for the show. You may have noticed on Coffee with Kenobi's social media this week that I posted a picture of myself in the Coffee with Kenobi hoodie, as well as my brand new phone case. If you like that or want the logo on a t-shirt, go to coffeewithkenobi.com shop. If you want to start a podcast or a blog or have one and want to expand your brand, danzmedia.com is where you can go to sign up and have a one-on-one consultation with me. I'm also available to come to your school, conference, business, or organization to talk about how to tap into your strengths and help you bring out your very best. There's so much more Star Wars to come in the next few months and beyond, and Coffee with Kenobi will be there every step of the way. Thanks again so much for your time and your awesomeness. You are an important part of the Star Wars community, and I appreciate you. Thanks again, and remember, this is a podcast you're looking for. This podcast is not endorsed by the Walt Disney Company or Lucasfilm Limited. It is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. The official Star Wars website can be found at www.starwars.com. Star Wars, all names, sounds, and any other Star Wars-related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Disney and their respective trademark and copyright holders. All original content of this podcast is the intellectual property of Coffee with Kenobi unless otherwise indicated. This is the podcast you're looking for. There's no one here. Move along. Move along.